Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to the Secret Society of Neighbor Anxiety. Or in other words, how to meet your neighbors even if you're a tad shy and they're a bit weird, because let's be honest. <laughs> some of us feel a tad shy at times, and some of our neighbors appear to be a bit shy. Good morning, there's a paper right over there if you wanna grab one for notes. And you don't have to take notes, FYI. Some of you just wanna read along. But for those of you who are a little bit like me and like I really like to write things down and check them off and get them in my brain, that's how I learn, then go for it. I gave you a lot of space. And I double, you know, double side there so we're not killing more trees. All right, my name is Carrie, not Galadriel. Whatever I said, Gwyneth, what did I say? I can't remember. And if you're here for goat yoga, it is down at the pool. Although that would be fun. Have you all seen goat yoga? Oh my gosh, it's hilarious. It's a real thing, you should do it. I haven't done it, but you should. Um, so, <laughs> tiny bit about me, because that's not really why you're here and half of you don't even care, but I'm just gonna tell you, I'm 45 and a half years old, because you always come in and be like, wow, is she old, is she young? I'm just telling you, I'm 45 and a half. Doesn't really change anything about my talk, I'm just letting you know. And I'm passionate about writing and avocados and Jesus, and not always in that order, Jesus usually comes first. And I've always wanted to be in the Olympics, or be a dolphin trainer, and they say it's never too late, but I'm thinking it's too late. So in the meantime, I'm a writer, I'm writing a book, I'm a freelance editor, and I have a children's book about bullying. And our, my book is going to be about our 12 years in Mexico. And, um, but since that doesn't pay, like, Let's be honest, it doesn't really pay. Uh, I work at Habitat for Humanity, so I can bring home a little bit of a paycheck and be able to do fun things in Southern California that's not cheap. Good morning, welcome, come on in. Um, so before we really start, uh, let's pray real quick. Lord, thank you for this time, thank you for this morning, thank you for Mount Hermon. What a gorgeous place to spend three days. And uh, we know, Lord, that you create a place like this, a little sanctuary, a little oasis, a little haven for us to get out of our regular routine and our pace and our um, different place to get a new perspective is awesome. So I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. And thank you that we can be in a place where we don't have to be worried about someone coming in the door and shutting us down. Thank you that we can worship you freely and talk about you freely and that we have that freedom in this country. Um, thank you for every woman in this room and those who couldn't make it, and I just pray a special blessing on um, their time here and their trip home, and thank you for the opportunity to learn more about our neighbors so we can be more intentional and love them the way you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, welcome to the Secret Society of Neighbor Anxiety, how to meet your neighbors even if you're a tad shy and they're a bit weird. So... Um, I don't think I'll ever be comfortable as a speaker. It's just not in my nature. It's not something super easy for me to get up here and do, but I'm very comfortable in this space because I grew up here at Mount Hermon. Not coming here every year, I came here in the womb and never left, basically. My dad was on staff for 41 years, and so I didn't leave until I was 20, thought this was a normal life. It wasn't, in a good way, but I had no clue. Um, and uh, spent my whole childhood here. Uh, so yeah, this is home. I come back. I love the theme this weekend as home because I come back here and this feels super comfortable. I have a memory in every corner of this whole entire 460 acres or whatever it is now. So um, yeah, fast forward to two years ago. We moved to Southern California right after we got married, lived there for 12 years, lived in Mexico for 12 years, and just moved back. So my husband and I and two boys are back in Southern California after a dozen years south of the border. 
And um, this is um, what we look like when we try. <laughs> That's a picture of us um, out here on the field, actually, in the summer. We take a picture every year, come to some family camp every summer. And so two teenage boys, that's different. Um, but this is more accurate. This is more like our real family. <laughs> we, we just bought this house when we moved back to Southern California. And the first thing I asked the contractor, is that weight-bearing? And he said, nope. And I said, let's get rid of it. And so we took out that wall. But before we did, I told the boys they could do whatever they wanted to it. So obviously, let's climb on it. <laughs> so we had a friend who was coming over to take our pictures because we wanted to document the fact that we were back and like live in the American dream in debt again. And, um, <laughs> and so then we went outside. And I apologize if you have a pink garage and love it. I don't. And so we repainted it. But yeah, we inherited a pink garage. And so our boys were hungry in the middle of the photo shoot, and apparently we had pizza, and they're like, Mom, we need to eat. I'm like, just bring it with you. And so we took pictures with them eating pizza. I don't know. That's just my life, and I'm okay with it. And I just am letting things go more and more, and these aren't formal photos, obviously, but it was kind of fun, too. Yeah. Anyway, so um, we started and ran a nonprofit ministry in Baja, um, it was a gap year program for high school graduates from the States. They came and lived with us for nine months in Mexico before college. That is the very short version of what we did the whole time down there in order to build relationships with the locals. So we had a normal amount of neighbors. I mean, it was only 1,200 people in the whole town, dirt roads, 1,200 chickens. But the point is, we had neighbors. They were all around us, okay? <clears throat> down the road lived a poor family that was so poor that they still used a wooden outhouse. This is my son learning how to ride a motorcycle at age seven. Oh, I know. Near them lived a winemaker and his wife, and his son, and his other son, and his brother, and his uncle, all on the same property, trying to attract wine-loving tourists. Across the dirt from us sat our church. This whole building right here is our church, and that's my house. And across from our church sat an automotive supply store about the size of a king-size bed. <laughs> Next door was our friend Juan, right by the palm tree there. We didn't like the days that he burned trash, but we did like him. He was crusty, feisty, and pleasantly surprised that we took an interest in his life. Mm. And down the road the other way lived two drug dealers. <clears throat> One house dabbled in the light stuff, you know, just for fun, but the other trafficked through our border the one that you see on the news. My boys went to school with the international criminals' kids. Every day, I walked them to school and regularly waved to his wife. She was nice. We walked the dirt roads every day. We waved to neighbors every day, and mostly avoided deep relationships every day, partly because of the language barrier, but also because I was not interested in being part of an international sting. Knowing that you can put some away, one, someone away for life is a creepy feeling. I didn't want my family to be involved in that, so we were kind from a distance. The traditional definition of neighbor is a person who lives near or next door to another. Not rocket science, right? Near, we could have all defined that on our own. A person who lives <laughs> near or next door. You all have neighbors. Even if you live out in the boonies, you have someone who's a neighbor who kind of lives nearby, right? The generic dic dictionary use of the word neighbor, this was fascinating to me. In a public secular dictionary, this was how they used the word in a sentence. Any person in need of one's help or kindness. Is that the definition of a neighbor? Like, 
Living near me or next door to me is the literal definition, like physically you live near me. But this dictionary says any person in need of one's help or kindness. After biblical use, it goes on to say, love thy neighbor as thyself. What? Like, I need to get to know Miriam. Like, that is fascinating. I just thought that was so cool. They actually put that in the dictionary. The related words are acquaintance and friend. So it goes from neighbor to acquaintance to friend. That they connect those, I thought was also fascinating. So would you call your immediate neighbors strangers, acquaintances, or friends? Think about that for a second. I'm not talking about the 80 houses in your area. I'm talking about the four to six to eight houses closest to you. Would you call them strangers, acquaintances, or friends? The word origin of neighbor comes from the Old English. Now, I'm not a big like, ooh, let's study the Greek. I didn't go to seminary. Just give it to me straight. This is pretty straight. Ne, the beginning of the word, means near. Geber means dweller. And the related to ber, to geber is the word ber, which means dwelling. So we put them all together and we get near, dweller, or dwelling. How cool is that? Neighbor. It literally means somebody who is near me in a dwelling or somebody who is a dweller, right? That's not complicated. I don't need a degree to tell you that. Okay, next. This is what our street looked like every time it rained for approximately seven minutes. We lived in the land of dust and mud. That's what we dealt with all the time. I'm not complaining, I'm just telling you this is our reality. This tire mark here was the last time I tried to come in our driveway. (laughs) It's sliding all over the place. And that house right across the street from us is uh, literally falling apart. Like there are shingles coming off the roof and this is an outhouse and the paint's coming off and the gate barely opens. It's kind of a mess and they have a dish on the top of their house because, you know, priorities. Um, But those were our neighbors. This was a very accurate description of what we lived next to. Three stages of neighbor relationships, if you're looking at your notes. Number one, stranger. Number two, acquaintance. Number three, friend. I'm just going to give you a couple quick things. You don't have to write them all down. This isn't, like, really complicated, but I'm just going to say what it's meant to me as far as being a neighbor to a stranger. This is the mailbox wave. Morning. Hi. That's all we're doing. From a distance, we're not really talking. We're waving, right? That's the polite thing to do. Most people agree that that's fairly easy. Um, I might throw your newspaper up higher on the driveway for you, but we do not know each other, okay? An acquaintance, step two. There might be an icebreaker like, hi, I'm Carrie. It's a quick little, like, I haven't met you yet. Um, Basic, basic questions. I might even borrow something from you, but we're not friends, okay? We're an acquaintance. I kind of know you. I might not remember your name, but at least you're not a stranger. And the third step is when we're becoming friends. Now, if this freaks you out, you're in the right class. This is, hey, would you ever want to go on a walk together? Like, super basic. It's not a big commitment. I can only be gone for 30 minutes, whatever. And we don't have to talk about anything deep. But I might offer to water your plants when you're going out of town, or you water mine. Um, I might bring you a meal if you just had a baby. So we're becoming friends. It's not like we're best friends forever, but it's going in that direction. We might invite you over for a meal. We might do a barbecue and you're invited. Okay, so we're moving in that direction. So what Jesus says about our neighbors, the number one thing we know is that he says, love your neighbors as yourself, right? How do you love yourself? What are a couple ways? Really basic, not a deep, deep question here. 
You eat, you feed yourself, okay? So you're loving yourself in that way because you have to take care of your body. What's another basic way that we can love ourselves? Buying gifts for yourself, okay? Yeah. I mean, even if, if it's a non-essential, right? Buying something like, I need a new bra. I mean, let's get basic. <laughs> like, that's not a fluffy thing. Like, there are some things that would be considered a gift. But if you need a new want, a new pair of earrings, that's okay, right? Every once in a while. What's another way we take care of ourselves? Affirmation, okay, not talking down to ourselves, but saying positive things. So I wrote time, attention, and fun. If you never ever give yourself time, and I'm just gonna throw out this stereotype here, some American women, we don't do this very well, giving ourselves time, right? And some attention. Are you um, moving towards the martyr mom or the martyr wife of like, oh, I just never have any time for myself. I'm doing everything for everybody else. That's a choice. Or some fun, okay? A little bit of fun. If you're not loving yourself in any of these ways, it's really hard to love other people. What Jesus says about our neighbors. <clears throat> this is Mark 12. 29 through 31, and I know that not everybody's a super big fan of the message, but I love how this is worded because it's a very common verse, so listen to it in a different translation. Jesus said, the first in importance is, listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one, so love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And here is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. Now, we've all grown up, those who have grown up in the church, we all know, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, okay? Yeah. This says passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. Isn't that cool? Like, I think when I read the NIV, the way I grew up, Baptist church, is <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, I know, heart, soul, mind, strength. But what does that really mean? This felt like I could wrap my brain around it in a different way. Passion, prayer, intelligence, and energy. I just thought that was so cool. When we ran our ministry in Mexico, one of our taglines was, love God, love others, nothing else matters. Now, some skeptics could be like, okay, there are other things that do matter. But really, they can almost all go into one of those categories. You're loving God or you're loving others. I'm making dinner for my family, I'm loving others. But I'm loving my family that way, I'm loving God. Okay, I'm loving my neighbors, I'm reaching out, I'm loving God, and I'm loving others. It's so cool. Well, and it was very obvious that God was moving us out of Baja and back to the States. My husband and I prayed that God would make it super, super clear where he wanted us. Like, we had to leave for integrity reasons. It's like jump in with the Mexican government or get out. So, whatever, we had to leave. Um, but we were like open hands, like, anywhere, Lord. Like, spin the globe. I don't care. It'll take us anywhere. Not bragging about it, just saying we were open. Like, we had already done 12 years in a difficult location. Let's go somewhere else and do something else. We didn't want to move to, like you know, Asia and learn symbols. That wasn't like on my top five list. But I would have gone there if he had made it super, super clear because I'm old enough with enough lessons in my life to know that his way is better than mine. And so I was like literally open hands anywhere, anywhere, anywhere. But of course, I have to put a little thing on the end of it. If it could not be Southern California again, that'd be awesome because eh, a lot of concrete. I grew up in this, like trees everywhere. We didn't have fences, right? Um, and if it could not be Southern California again, that would be cool. I mean, I just wanted to put that out there in case he was wondering. And so um, he wasn't. 
because he already knew that's exactly where he was going to move us back. And I was like, really? I mean, we were trying to get to Texas. We were trying to get to Northern California. We were trying to get to Oregon. I mean, anywhere, almost South Dakota. Like we were fine with almost anything, but he put us right back in the same neighborhood, gave my husband the same job back again. He's a high school teacher in the same department and put us in the same neighborhood, two streets over. It's almost like God was saying, let's try that again. Let's do the neighbor thing one more time. I mean, we kind of have new neighbors now, but we're in the same neighborhood. I'm like, oh, okay. What society says about our neighbors? If you're looking at your paper, in my opinion, it depends where you live. Southern California fence culture says that side's yours, this side's mine. Keep your tree limbs trimmed, right? But Carrie from Northern California doesn't work that way. So my first impression when I see that is, ooh, let's tear down the fence and have a barbecue. But not everybody works that way. And I'm a little bit of an extrovert, but I have introvert tendencies. And my lazy side says, "Uh, I'd rather just sit in my own house and do my own thing, right? And not everybody's like that, and that's okay. Love your neighbor. The first thing we noticed about our new neighborhood that wasn't totally new, but we are on a different street, is how it mimics deserted island living. Now, I've never lived on a deserted island, but I'm guessing there's a bit of a loneliness factor, right? Around our town, garage doors open, people drive in, garage doors close. We even have a lady on our street who gets in her car before she opens the garage to leave and closes the garage before she gets out of her car when she comes back because right? She doesn't want to talk to anybody. Now, there could be a lot going on there that I don't know, so I don't judge, but you know how hard that is to get to know her? She even has a gate outside of her door about 15 feet from her door, so we can't even get to the door to knock. So it's rough, right? So why do you think people do this? Drive in, drive out, don't ever talk to anybody, only get the mail in the dark. Safety. Safety. Good. Why else? Busy. They're too busy. Yep. Okay, they're connected somewhere else. They don't really feel like their neighbors need to be their connection, right? Why else? They don't care. They don't care, yeah. And that's fine, right? It's not my job to make them care, although my Enneagram number comes out a little bit, and I'm like, why don't you want to be friends? Like, this is fun. Why wouldn't you want to? So busy, shy, intimidated. That's what I wrote down there. Busy, and that's totally legit. We're all busy. A little bit shy. Sometimes I feel intimidated. Those are all super legit reasons. Okay. Why should we know our neighbors? Number one, it's biblical. Sorry. It's in the Bible. We don't get off the hook. So if you're relying on I'm busy, shy, and intimidated, and then you read this verse, you're like, dang it. We're all asked to love our neighbors, right? And in the Bible, like I said in my intro in the auditorium, God speaks, Jesus speaks in the Bible of your neighbor being the general population, but I'm talking about our actual neighbors, people we share fences with and water lines with. So because it's in the Bible, love your neighbor as yourself, we need to get back to that basic of what does that look like. Number two, emergencies. If you had an emergency, it might be nice if you knew your neighbors, right? Now, if you're like me, I'm like, pfft. What are the odds? I mean, we're not going to have like the big one. Well, I lived through the 89 earthquake up here and I was in my first day of driver's training. I know what that feels like. It's a little scary, right? So if that were to happen where I live, which the odds are it might, um, 
it would be my, to my benefit if I knew who my neighbors were and they knew who I was. So I wrote part of this um, on one of my blogs was about um, neighbors and how I got to know a bunch of them when we threw a barbecue on our street for the first time right after we moved in because might as well get to know people. And somebody commented on my blog and said this, this is great stuff, but let me add a practical spin on your thoughts. As a city council member and former mayor in Northern California, I have routinely told people the critical importance of getting to know your neighbors. The next time the big one hits, there won't be any use in calling 911 and relying on public safety personnel. Many of those who are off duty live outside the areas in which they work and those who are on duty will be overwhelmed. Surviving in a time of crisis, be it earthquake, fire, storm, or flood, will require neighbors coming together, serving each other. The time to get to know one another is now, not then. Brilliant, right? I hadn't really ever thought about this. Like, I don't think that we're going to have a shooter on our street, but if there were somebody in my front yard or something creepy happening, I would love to be able to jump the fence and not have a neighbor pull a gun on me. I mean, right? I don't think my neighbors have guns, but if they did, it would be nice if they recognized me and were like, come in, instead of like, what are you doing here? So that would be awesome if like, they knew me and I knew them, at least the immediate ones, right? Because if I'm running through the neighborhood, I'm like, sorry, I'm picturing this. It's kind of crazy. But um, okay, and number three, human connection, to know and be known. We all know that there's a longing inside of us. I think this is the way God created us, to be known. We want to be known. Some of us, it's easy to say, I don't really want my neighbors to know me. But we do want to be known by somebody. And think of it the other way around. Even if you don't want to let people in that much, there's somebody in your neighborhood who probably doesn't feel known. They might be living alone. There's crazy things going on behind closed doors that we have no idea. They will look happy and wonderful at the mailbox or with the wave, and that's all we know about them, we could be the ones to help them feel a little more known. <clears throat> I love this Timothy Keller quote. He says, to be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. To be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. This is so such a great quote, but I've read it like 18 times. I'm going to break it down because I had to think about this of like, what does that even mean at the very beginning? To be loved but not known. So a good um, example of that would be like a movie star. And everybody's screaming at them, we love you. Do they really know the movie star? No. So the movie star might think, oh, that's comforting. That feels good for a minute, but that's superficial, right? They don't really know that person. Next line, to be known and not loved is our greatest fear. So what could that be? My husband? He knows me, right? But what if he doesn't love me? That could be my greatest fear. My kids, they totally know me, but what if they don't love me? But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. Isn't that deep? I feel like I could read that every month and remember, oh my gosh, there are people who are known but not loved, and there are people who are loved but are not known, and if our goal is to do both, whoo, powerful. Excuses, this is my favorite part. If you're looking at your notes, number one is time. I don't have time. Guess what? Neither do I. Neither does she. Neither does that other guy. We could all say we don't have time, but we don't ever go a week without brushing our teeth, do we? 
If you said to me, oh, sorry, I'm wearing the same clothes 18 days in a row, I just have not had time to change. <laughs> you choose, right? I know, Cindy, that's how I felt. <laughs> if you don't brush your teeth, if you don't change clothes, if you don't ever do your hair and you blame it on the fact that you don't have time, you have not made time for those things. We carve out that time in the morning or afternoon or evening to get ready, to change clothes, to brush our teeth. Those are things that are like, those are essentials. We would never dream of not doing them. So the fact that you've scheduled those in, I could say, well, if you're too busy, just stop doing your hair. Like, that'll save you 10 minutes to 30 minutes every morning, right? Why do you have to brush your teeth twice a day? Just go down to once. I mean, that's ludicrous, right? So we schedule it. We make time. So a very easy way that I have done this is by um, incorporating it into things that I'm already doing. So I'll tell you about our barbecue later, but... Instead of having dinner in my house and my neighbor's having dinner in her house and her neighbor's having dinner in her house, we say, bring your dinner to the driveway and we all eat it together. That didn't cost me any extra time. I still was making dinner for my family and I'm still going to eat it and all I did was walk out to the driveway and that incorporated my neighbors. Number two, I don't know what to say. What in the world are we going to talk about? Now, if you're thinking, I'm not very interesting, I don't know what to talk about, they're not going to like me, turn that perspective around and ask questions about them. How long have you lived here? Super safe, neutral, vanilla question. Like, really? That is not invasive. Don't lead with, do you have kids and are you married and how do you feel about your mother-in-law? That's, those aren't good questions. Start with, how long have you lived here? Which model house are you in if you live in a track neighborhood? Okay, That brings conversation, makes people feel like, oh, they're interested in me. Number three, rejection. I'm afraid they'll say no. They might, but they also might say yes. We've invited our neighbors right next door to us to five church events. Really not scary events. It actually wasn't church. It was an event at the church, and they've said yes to every single one. They've still never come with us on a Sunday morning, but... They keep saying yes, so of course I'm going to keep asking, but the first time was the scariest. And they might say no, but guess what? We could still be friends even if they don't want to come to my church. That's okay. It's always no until you ask. Next one, similarities. Well, I'm pretty sure we have nothing in common. You don't know that. If you're a woman and you're talking to a woman, guess what? You have something in common. You're both women. <laughs> Okay? If you're a mom and you're talking to a mom, you have that in common. Believe me, I lived in another country where I did not look or act or speak or sound or anything like anybody around me, but we had commonalities of being women, being mothers, going to the same church, living on the same street. We can laugh about the fact that the water line is broken in our street and affects both of our houses. It wasn't very funny, but it, you know, it's something to talk about. You can always find something. If you live in a track neighborhood, you live in the same model. Oh my gosh, what did you do with that weird little shelf in the hallway? I would love your ideas, okay? You always have something you can find. And the last one, or my house. Um, oh, my house is not nice enough. It's not big enough. It's not pretty enough. It's not clean enough. It's not whatever enough. You'll probably never have anybody over. Raise your hand if your house is gigantic, gorgeous, super clean, and have like a Ferris wheel in your backyard. Anybody? Nobody? Oh, okay, I'm glad it's not just me because those are my excuses. 
I didn't clean all the things, and what if they need to use the guest bathroom that's not like you know sparkling? And we don't have very many fun things to do in the backyard, and I don't have enough seating, and my chairs don't match, and my dishes are chipped, and da 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 da. And these are all real things that I've said to myself, and it doesn't matter because when you go to someone else's house, does that matter? No, it's the conversation, it's sharing a meal, all those fun things. Okay, so let's not assume. Raise your hand if your house and your door and your table looks like this. <laughs> For those in the recording who can't see the pictures, it's this gorgeous, this is all from Pinterest, let's be honest. This is a gorgeous house with ivy climbing up the side and a cute little bike in the front and a mail drop. And then there's a teal door with a gorgeous gold wreath and wire and eucalyptus branches and a cute little mail slot that looks like it's from England. And then this table with candlelight on this chunky wood gorgeous thing with beautiful decorations and oh my gosh, if you're waiting for your space to look like this before you have somebody over, you might not ever have anybody over. I'm not saying you can't do this, I'm just saying this is exhausting. So if we are comparing our normal to their like, you know people get paid to create these photos, right? Like, this is not normal living. If you have somebody on your street who lives like this, they're probably spending a lot of money and expending a lot of effort to get to this point. This was probably staged. People don't eat like this every night, and you don't have to either to have somebody over, okay? It's probably a winemaker. They got paid to set that table. All right, I'm going to recommend a book to you. Um, this is called How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. One of my favorites because it's so practical. How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. The author is Amy Lively. <clears throat> There's a big red circle on the front with like five, six mugs of coffee and tea. How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. Is that a great title? Because I want to do that, but what am I afraid of? I'm afraid they're going to think I'm weird. Not just because I'm a Christian, but because I'm a friendly neighbor. Like, that's not normal in this society. How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird, Amy Lively. Brilliant, okay? I'm going to read you one of her things that she says. My fear of comparison became the excuse my house isn't nice enough. My furniture is worn. My holy dog sniffs people in unholy places. <laughs> I've been meaning to paint the living room like this one I saw on TV and in those shiny magazines. What will people think? Confession, my house is not Pinteresting. I've never made a pennant banner. I don't own spray paint or Mod Podge. Seriously, did God know about Pinterest when he told us to love our neighbor? He didn't know we'd break out, or didn't he know that we'd break out in a cold sweat at the thought of creating the perfect centerpiece and folding our napkins like swans? As a woman, wife, and mother, I know how important our homes are. It might be old-fashioned, but I still think of myself as the keeper of my home. And I do want it to be nice. I just have to be careful that my natural desires don't clash with Christ's commands. It's tempting to compare my lived-in house to touched-up perf professionally staged homes that are photoshopped more than a swimsuit cover model. <laughs> Brilliant, right? Yeah. Like, that's kind of basic, but wow, when she said it that way, I was like, oh yeah, okay. I'm comparing my normal Wednesday afternoon at four, it's like, what's for dinner? Like, stop asking me that question, and the house is a mess, and everybody has stuff everywhere, and we're coming and going, to this. That's not fair to yourself or to your neighbors. 
All right. What assumptions have you made based on your uh, what assumptions have you made about your neighbors? Are these judgments based on personal interaction or casual observation? If you see somebody at the mailbox who looks decked out, put together, head to toe, amazing, you assume that their house is that way, right? Because why wouldn't it be? If you see somebody who's super sloppy in like ratty clothes and tennis shoes that don't match. I don't even know if that's a thing. And their hair is not done, and they're just kind of a disaster, and no makeup, no jewelry. You assume that their house is like that too? Let's not assume everything that we see. I could be dressed like this because I have a board meeting today. I could be dressed like that because I just got back from the gym. Like There's so many things that are going on. We can't assume that just because somebody looks a certain way that their house is a certain way and, oh, if you look nicer than I do, I don't want to invite you over because I look like a disaster or the other way around and we could never be friends, okay? I assumed that I had a grumpy old neighbor when we moved into our new neighborhood, but I found out that he's just shy. I also found out that he played college baseball and he's discouraged about getting old. I assumed I had a boring old lady close by, but then I found out that she used to work in state politics and can tell you anything you need to know about any car on the planet. She's brilliant, but she was a little bit older and maybe didn't dress the same as I did, and I kind of assumed she might be boring. Then there's a guy who walks our neighborhood with no joke, hiked up shorts, a tucked in white tank top, and a gold necklace every day. And I assumed we would have zero in common. And I was mostly right, but we both, but we, but we both like to walk, okay? And he's from New York. He still can't get over our Southern California weather in the middle of the winter, and he has the best Brooklyn accent ever. So when we're ever out there, because he walks it every day, he comes around the corner and we're like, hey, Fred. And he's like, how you doing? I mean, sorry, clearly I'm not from Brooklyn. But he has the best accent, and it is so fun to strike up a conversation with him. His wife never walks with him, and I can tell he's a little bit lonely because he wants to chat. And we have nothing in common, but we chat about whatever, anything he wants to talk about, about our dog, about our kids. We just engage in his life as he's walking by. And it lasts from 30 seconds to five minutes. And it, I was out there anyway. Pulling weeds, doing whatever, okay? Not a lot of time. And the young mom right next door, she's a classically trained Le Cordon Bleu cook. Ooh. Right? That's what I said. Yeah, so slightly intimidating for someone who's like, hmm, what should I open tonight? I mean, I can cook, but right? She's like over there making like lime zested cauliflower and I'm like, uh, yeah, I don't know if my boys will eat that. But it was so fun to get to know her. She is not intimidating. She's totally down to earth and she lets me taste things. It's a beautiful relationship, right? All right. This is Harry Truman, this quote, I love this. All will concede that in order to have good neighbors, we must also be good neighbors. That applies in every field of human endeavor. You wanna be a good worker at your, in your space, in your office, and be a good friend? You wanna have a good worker-friend relationship? You need to be one, okay? Be a good worker to have a good, be a good neighbor to have a good neighbor, I love that. <clears throat> All right, how to engage your neighborhood. This is the next thing on your papers. The best piece of advice I ever received, one of the best pieces of ever, is move your party to the front. Okay, I'm not talking about your mullet to the front of your head, the party in the, yeah, get that? Move the party in your backyard to your front yard. 
Now, if some of you live on a super busy street and don't really have a front yard, don't get yourself in an accident. I'm just saying, if you have a little bit of a front yard, try moving your party to the front. And I don't mean a big party, I just mean anything you're doing. Try moving it to the front. This is super normal in Mexico. Everybody lives in the front yard. Backyard living is very isolated. Like, why would we go to the backyard? We wouldn't be able to see anybody walking by. They are very relational. The whole country, the whole culture, most of the people, very relational. All about people, family. We spend a lot of time together. We don't spend a lot of time watching TV together. We spend time talking together. So sitting out in the front makes a lot of sense because that's where people walk by. Nobody walks by through your backyard. They walk by in front of your front yard. So that's how you would get to know people. It's super easy. And you don't look like a stalker. Just sit out there and do something. Pull weeds, read a book, whatever. All right? Throw a barbecue in the street or in the driveway if you live on a busy street. Um, we did this when we first moved there, and it was the easiest thing. I'm not really entertaining or having to do much hospitality. I'm saying, I'm bringing my food out to the street. You bring your food out to the street. We'll meet in the middle, okay? So there's not really a commitment on my side as far as, like, providing food or making anything. Super fun, and it was very casual. No tablecloth needed. Um, start... Yes. With that, yeah, yeah. bringing your dinner to the front. Mm -hmm. So did you call neighbors to say, hey, you're yes. going to have so, dinner in the front? Yes. So we had lived there a few months, and I had girls, like, numbers. And I'll get to that of how that happened, too. Um, so I will just send out a text to three or four or five women and be like, hey, bring your stuff to the front. Sometimes it's more of an organized, hey, in three weeks we're going to do a barbecue in the street because we want everyone to be there, like yeah. a potluck, or bring your own food. But sometimes it's just like... Hey, come out, bring your dinner, and we're all eating in my driveway. So you put up, like, card tables? Oh, yeah, just throw up a, yep, totally easy, nothing fancy. And there's so low pressure, and everybody, it, the focus moves from the food and the, the utensils and everything matching and the fact that I don't have flowers on the table and, oh, my gosh, I'm stressed out and I didn't clean my baseboards, too. We're just talking, and nobody's really looking at the food because you brought your food and I brought mine, and there's no pressure. It's glorious. Start playing or hanging out where people go. Mailbox, park, cul-de-sac. Now, you don't want to stand by the mailbox like a creeper and just, like, wait for somebody to come by. Hi, I've been waiting for you. Like, that's weird, okay? But if you know, like, in my neighborhood, I have a window that kind of looks out to part of the street where our big mailbox is, where we all share. Most people get their mail right when they get home from work. So within that hour of 5 to 6, I could naturally be pulling weeds. Oh, hey, how's it going? I haven't met you yet. Really easy, Okay. Raise your hand if you've heard of the Nextdoor app. Nextdoor. And you're on it? Awesome. Some of you. Okay. It's a green square with a white house. If you're not on it, I would highly recommend trying it. If it creeps you out, delete it. It doesn't matter. But try it. It's not creepy. Depending on what neighborhood you live in, there can be a higher or lower level of engagement with your neighbors. A lot of it is, I lost my dog. Here's a picture of him. Some of it is, I caught this creeper on my doorbell video, right? Watch out for him or whatever. Or like... Hey, there's a coyote if you live in the mountains. Make sure you bring in your cat or whatever you need to do, right? Like there's a lot of warnings and helpful things, but I also sell stuff on there. I treat it like Facebook Marketplace or like um, OfferUp. Like I can sell things on there. There's a buy and sell offer. And this is kind of cool. From an aerial picture on the app, you can see your neighborhood and there's a dot on every house that has the Nextdoor app. So then you know that your neighbors could be seen or you like one lady in the next neighborhood over even put out like this, hey, I'm new to the neighborhood. I'm thinking about starting a Bible study. Would anybody be interested? Talk about brave. I was like so proud of her. 
all these women started responding. And there was this weird feeling like, I have this many Christians who live within a quarter mile radius. I didn't even know that. Like, how would I ever meet them? She went first and it made a community at her house. I was like jealous. I'm like, I want to come. So I just went to meet people. It was so easy and fun. All right. The next thing is the turquoise table. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the turquoise table.com or the turquoise table book. Have you heard of it? I've heard of it, but don't know anything. Yes. Okay. So awesome. Oh my gosh. I love this. The turquoise table movement. It started by a lady named Kristen Shell. She lives in Austin, Texas, of course. Like, come on, all the cool things happen in Texas. Um, she wrote a book called The Turquoise Table. Her hashtag on social media is Front Yard People. Her <laughs> website is theturquoisetable.com. And what she does is she has a new concept and a new symbol of hospitality is it moving things to the front yard. Her subtitle is Finding Community and Connection in Your Own Front Yard. And I just love that. I think it's fantastic. So what she does, this is how it all started. She didn't start out to write a book. She didn't start out to be online with a website or anything. She just got a picnic table, painted it turquoise, and put it in her front yard and started doing everything that she would be doing inside, outside. I mean, not everything. She's not prepping, she's not prepping dinner out in the front yard. But she's reading She's on her laptop. She's writing. She's writing notes to people. She's watching her kids play. She's bringing the afternoon snack out there when they get home from school. Like, obviously, you have to live in a place that's not like South Dakota or Maine in the wintertime. She can do this, like, probably nine months out of the year, right, in Austin. It's super hot sometimes. But her table stays out there 24-7, and she comes out as often as possible. Why? Because when her neighbors walk by, she invites them to come and sit at the table and hang out and chat. Some of them might just stop and not sit down and chat for 30 seconds. Some might be there for an hour. But the point is, hey, do you want a glass of water? Or, hey, I made cookies, or I bought cookies. Who cares? You don't have to make them. Anything to engage people. But her kids are out there playing, and she's out there hanging out, reading a book, Whatever you would be doing in your backyard, bring it to the front yard. And you don't have to be like, hi, hi, do you want to come over here? Like, be more natural. Like, if someone just walks by, be like, good morning, good afternoon. Hey, how's it going? Oh, my gosh, your dog is so cute. Really easy things to not be a creeper, and it's fun, all right? Um, you can have your kids do crafts out there, read to them. So my mom, oh, this other thing is you can also register your table. This is so fun. You get a table used, doesn't matter, doesn't have to be pretty, paint it turquoise, any shade of teal, and you can upload it to her website. She wants you to do that. And she puts your picture on there. So there's pictures of like a whole neighborhood around this table or one mom and one little kid reading a book. It's like everything in between. Her brownie troop came and sat there. Her and three other moms do a Bible study there. One other mom who's not a Christian, they just hang out and chat. She's on her laptop, like all these different pictures. And she now has pictures from women, people, in all 50 states and 11 countries. Isn't that awesome? Like, it is a movement, and she did not even mean for it to do that. It just did it. So my mom is, you know, super classy and uh, still lives here at Mount Hermon, but she's not like a turquoise table type of a decorator. She's a little bit more like a little Martha Stewart, a little bit like, you know, they live in a beautiful home that just has a look. And so putting a turquoise table in the front would kind of mess up her, you know, look. So, but I'm proud of her because she came to this class when I taught it last time, and look what she did. She kept her table brown and bought a turquoise umbrella. Like, come on, that's adorable. 
right? So she's like, I'm trying, but I'm just going to do one little like accent color. So that's my mom on the front left, and I'm sitting in the back in the dark there. And then our friend Jane here at the right, she lives here at Mount Hermon as well. And my mom and Jane are like the epitome of hospitality at Mount Hermon. Now, it's a little bit easier at Mount Hermon because you have this like built-in community with all these Christians, and the majority of staff who work here also live here. But Mount Hermon is open to the public, so even if you don't work here, you can live here. So people walk by. This picture right here in the back, this is the road, and it comes right over here to their driveway. And so when people walk by, it's just so easy to be like, hey, because everyone can see her. So she doesn't go out there like in the winter when it's really cold, right? She's not going to be doing that. But this was so easy and so fun, and it's just like bright, and everyone can see it, and people walk up and down the street all the time with their dogs, going to the mailbox, whatever. So it's a very easy way for her who is already all about hospitality. We could have been sitting in her house doing the exact same thing, but while we were out there for like 45 minutes, three different people stopped by. So easy. Very fun. All right, the neighborhood 411. This is the next thing on your notes. <clears throat> going on, knowing what's going on with your neighbors and being a busybody are two very different things, okay? We've all met people who love to be in the know and then spread it like butter, and that's gross. Don't do that. But um, they're either probably bored or lonely, and though they may have a good intentions, that usually ends up just causing more divisiveness. Getting to know your neighbors is not so you can know their gossip and spread it, it's so you can be a friend. So showing up and genuinely asking how people are doing, that brings compassion. So how's the military wife with the little kids? Could you grab her some groceries next time you go? I mean, Costco is like a whole experience, right? And if you have little ones, in and out, that just takes forever. So if she only needs one or two things and you could grab it for her, that's fantastic. Do you live in a pasty white population? Is there a family of color in your neighborhood? I lived as a minority for 12 years. I mean, I know I look super Mexican, but I'm not. <laughs> Being avoided or ignored gets really old really fast. We were ignored for what they thought was a nice reason or like I'm not being stoned for the color of my skin, but because we're white and we're from the States, we were like outcasts because they didn't think they could like hang with us. That gets old too, right? We weren't invited to parties much. We weren't like, nobody just came knocking on the door just to say hi. It was lonely. Did the couple down the way just have a baby? If they don't go to church or have people in their community who are bringing them meals, they might not be getting any food to help out in those first few weeks. And if you've ever had a baby, you remember those first few weeks, right? It doesn't need to be gourmet. You don't have to stress. This is my issue. I'm like, oh, I want to take somebody a meal, but oh, what am I going to make? And the three food groups and that triangle pyramid thing that I learned about in fourth grade, like it all has to be perfect. And how am I going to get it there so it's still hot? And oh my gosh, how about bagged salad and a pizza like is that terrible to deliver to somebody would you be like ew if somebody brought you bagged salad and a pizza no you'd be stoked because it's food that you didn't have to make right so that is less stress and more sleep for a new mom does the single mother who worked three jobs always leave her trash cans out longer than everybody else on the street instead of being annoyed you could be the one to bring them in for her small baby step even if she never sees who did it and you never get thanked right? Has anyone moved into your neighborhood lately? Don't let them assume that your street is one big click because y'all have lived there for 25 years. You might not even know your neighbors, but to them, it might look like or feel like I'm the only one who's not from here. They probably all moved in on the same day. They probably all are each other's godparents. No, (laughs) let them know that that's not the case and that they're welcome into your neighborhood, okay? 
the elderly? Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right, I did. Elderly is the old guy next door in the hospital. He might be alone. We have people on our street who live by themselves in gigantic houses. Like, it's big for one person is what I'm saying. And um, if they go to the hospital and nobody knows about it and they don't have family in town, who's visiting them? Like, if you're in the hospital for two hours, that's different than, like, two weeks and if you have no visitors. And it is proven that encouragement and visitors and, like, compassion helps you heal faster, okay? So that would be an awesome thing, like, to just visit somebody in the hospital. You feel nervous? Let's put that aside. How amazing would it be if you saw one of your neighbors walk through the door if you were in the hospital? You'd be like, what are you doing here? But we could be that person for somebody else. All right, I just bought this kitchen tag. I love this so much. It's like three feet tall, and I'm going to put it on my wall in my kitchen pretty soon as soon as I get something to go on the back of it to hang it. And it says this. This is by Epicurus. We should look for someone to eat and drink with before looking for something to eat and drink. Isn't that fun? I love that. I mean, I love food. Let's be real. I love the flavors. I love the smells. I eat a lot. We should look for someone, though, to eat and drink with before looking for something to eat and drink. I love that. That's not reality every single day for every single meal. But I want to remember that as I go along. The bottom line, kindness, right? Reaching out. All right, before I go on, I'm going to pass around this paper. Um, I am a writer and a freelance editor, and um, I'm in the middle of writing the book, but in the meantime, I'm also writing a blog. Every two to three weeks, I put out something, hope, humor, how-tos, culture, what I learned in Mexico, crazy things that my boys said because they don't speak English. I mean, they do, but their first language is Spanish. And uh, writing and reading and all the idioms that they don't know. So funny things. I try to look at different angles of things and just... Be a light. I never talk about religion, and I never talk about politics on my blog. So if that's somewhat refreshing to you, welcome to the party. Um, and so if you're interested in getting something, I get some blogs five days a week from some people. I'm like, huh, I can't keep up with you. I write every two to three weeks. Like, that's about as much as I can handle. So that's as much as you'd hear from me. And you would be on the inside track when my new book comes out. You're the first ones to know about it. So if you're interested in that, feel free to sign up. If you're not, feel free to let it go by with no pressure because I'd rather have you have it go by than unsubscribe in one week because you don't really like me. You just wrote your name down. So please print. Please print so I can read it. There have been some people who have written in cursive and I couldn't read it and then I couldn't sign them up. So please print. That would be awesome. All right, next slide. On your thing, on your paper, it's called It's Not Too Late. So besides the most basic act of kindness, which is introducing ourselves, here are a few easy ways that we can make outsiders feel like insiders. Give them a three-by-five card with your name, address, and phone number on it. Now, for those of you who are like, well, that's a little invasive. No, it would be invasive to go to them and say, can I have your name, address, and phone number in case I need anything? They'd be like, uh, I don't know you. I don't feel comfortable with that. But if you give them your name, address, and phone number and say, hey, if you ever need anything, I'm right around the corner, that would make them feel like, oh, wow, okay, thanks. Like, I did this and people were shocked. Like, you would give me that information? You don't even know me. Like, I had met them a couple times. But if you're worried about giving them your address, you live on the same street, so they already know you live there. That's not like, that's public information, so don't be scared about that part. 
But if you live in a track neighborhood like mine, every house is a different shade of taupe. I don't remember which one you're in if I just moved in, right? Or if you just moved in. Like, I can't remember which person is in which house. These all look the same. So I write down my address so they know exactly which house I'm in and my phone number if you feel comfortable. If you don't, then don't put that on there, just the address. Hey, if you need anything, come on down. I'm right down the street. That's an open door. Right? And if they never, ever call you or never come and visit, that's okay. But you've done your side of the like, kindness to just open that. Um, take them a treat. It does not have to be homemade. When we moved into a rental a couple years ago while we were trying to find a house after Mexico, um, someone brought us a little baked good, like a cake, from a specialty bakery in town. She didn't make it. She didn't even wrap it. She just bought it. But it was the thought of like, wow, you even thought to drive there and buy that for me and bring it over when you know that I can't even find my plates, much less a fork, and now I have something to eat for breakfast. Like, that's so generous. But me, the way I was raised, my mother made everything homemade and it was all wonderful and lovely, but I grew up with that, like, that's what I have to do. No, you don't. You can just go buy something and it's okay. And they're gonna be so touched by the fact that you even thought to do that for them. If they're going out of town, you can offer to babysit their kids. Their plants. Don't offer to babysit their kids. You can, you can offer to babysit their plants. You'll probably keep it alive. They'll be super grateful. It's not hard. And just the fact that you offered, even if they say no, the fact that you offered is so kind, right? Tell them to call if they ever need to borrow anything. Now, here's my trick about borrowing something. If I want to borrow something from someone else, I, off, I borrow something that's usually a non-consumable. Non, uh, like non so if you ever want to borrow anything, like if you need six eggs, I can totally let you borrow six eggs. But if I'm borrowing, I feel a little bit more like I'd rather borrow your can opener if mine broke instead of six eggs. Because then I feel like I have to give you half of what I just baked. I have to run to the store right now and buy you those six eggs again. You know what I mean? Like buying something or borrowing something that's a non-consumable is way easier. Okay? And fun. I read somewhere that asking to borrow something from a neighbor makes them feel helpful and bridges a gap between you. Asking to borrow something from a neighbor. Now, if you're the type of person like me, I'm like, oh, I don't want to bother them. Oh, I'll just run to the store half an hour down the street and get it myself. I don't want to, like, inconvenience them. They're probably eating dinner. She's probably cooking. All the excuses. What if none of those are true and she would love to let you borrow something because it makes her feel helpful and it bridges the gap between you? Because guess what? Now I have to take it back and there's a second encounter, right? I borrowed it, and now I have to bring it back, and we have two opportunities for conversation over something as silly as a can opener. I was a tad nervous to try this experiment, but in the middle of a recipe, I went to grab something, uh, cinnamon, and I only had a pinch left in the bottom, didn't realize it, and I needed a tea two teaspoons. And I was like, ugh, I only live five minutes from Trader Joe's. I could have easily driven to tra Trader Joe's five minutes, been in the store for five minutes, and come back five minutes. It was a 15-minute trip, but I'm in the middle of a recipe, and of course, I'm preparing for this talk, and it hits me. I'm like, okay, it's not a non-consumable, but I could probably go borrow a teaspoon from my neighbor, and she wouldn't be upset. I had only met her a few times, but she was really friendly. We were not friends yet. We were acquaintances, but I texted her. We had each other's numbers. I was like, 
Is it okay if I borrow a teaspoon of cinnamon? I'm so sorry. I'm right in the middle of, of course, I have to say sorry. I'm right in the middle of a recipe, and she's like, of course, come on over. So I'm like, you know, I go over with my teaspoon and a little Tupperware or something, and I go, and she's like, come on in. So now I'm in her house. She's so friendly. She didn't meet me at the door, like here, you know, like keeping the door shut. She's like, come on in. And it's like she was excited that I was there. I mean, it went well. I could have borrowed from someone in the neighbor who was like weird about it, but it went well. And then we had a little whatever in common. And I did take her a little something that I was baking with that cinnamon. I just made a tiny little loaf of whatever. And it was like a little step, just tiny over cinnamon. It didn't cost her even a penny, probably, but I was so grateful, and she felt helpful, okay? Um, Plants, treats, borrow, loan. All right, Um, next slide is welcoming new neighbors. This might not sound easy, but I'm going to tell you that it's easy and hopefully convince you because... When somebody moves into your neighborhood, it should feel a little bit easy to welcome them because it's your turf. Think about that. If you've lived there and they haven't, you know something about the neighborhood that they don't, okay? It's your turf. Not to be cocky about it, but just to be like, I know how long it takes to get to Trader Joe's. I know where the dentist is. If they've moved from anywhere outside of your town, right? I know where the dentist is. I know a good hair cutter if you need one. I know how to get to the closest Starbucks or the best independent coffee place. It's your turf. So have a little bit of confidence in that, that you could help them. You could be helpful in that regard. Number two, introduce yourself. I know that this is a little bit scary because you're like, oh, I'm not that interesting. What if they don't want to get to know me? Where did they move from? Remember, flip the question. Don't think about, oh, I'm not interesting. Think about, I bet they're interesting. So where did you move from? Which model house are you in? What, you know, don't start out with the hard questions. Start, start out with something really basic and easy. If you see a U-Haul, it's a good indication that somebody is moving in or out. <laughs> Most people don't rent U-Hauls for other reasons. So if somebody is moving out, you could, like if you're shocked and you didn't even know they were leaving, you could help them pack if you're able or want to, or just say goodbye or give them some granola bars for their road trip, whatever, something super easy or basic. But if they're moving in, they are already tired by the time they get to you. Why? Because they already packed up and they already drove here. They might have driven two streets over. They might have driven two states over. Either way, they're already tired when they arrive. So you could be the one to welcome them with a cheery face or even help them unload the truck. If you physically can't or don't want to help them unload the truck, even just standing there and making basic conversation would make them feel welcomed. We moved into our street with a U-Haul, very obvious that we are moving in and other big trucks We were there for like, I don't know, six or eight or nine hours unloading, loading, going back and forth, and nobody came over to say hi. Not one person. Now I could say they were at work, they were this, they were that. But the point is, culture is not super outgoing, friendly, like we grew up at Mount Hermon. It just isn't. Don't be offended by that. We could be the ones to turn it around. Even if you're the new one in the neighborhood, you can be the one to go meet people. Number three, four, take food but not peanuts. With all the allergies these days, don't be the one who's showing up with all the peanut-filled gluten items, okay? You never know what kind of things people are dealing with health-wise. What's a really safe thing that you could take them? Fruit, Fruit, exactly. And if you're still worried about that, then don't take food. 
Take something else. What about a little gift card to a grocery store nearby? They're gonna need groceries. A gift card to Home Depot. If this is their first house, they might not have a broom. I mean, something super basic. If you don't wanna spend money on them, then maybe just a welcome to the neighborhood note or a card, okay? Anything that just says, hey, I'm here, I'm thinking of you, it's a great first impression and they will remember that for sure. Does not need to be homemade or fancy. Um, let's see, the next one is, oh, you can share your digits, that was the last thing. On that three by five card that I told you about earlier, you write out your stuff, that's a great time to give it to somebody. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood, this is my info if you need anything, especially in those first few days. You don't know the neighborhood, you don't even know the own house that you're moving into, right? There are things that don't work, things that you need to go buy. Hey, what would you guys recommend to go for, blah, blah, blah. Then you could be the contact person, be helpful in that way because you know the neighborhood, they don't. All right, next point on your notes, fun neighborhood ideas. Entertaining versus hospitality. This blew my mind when I heard the difference between entertaining and hospitality. I kind of used to throw them into the same category, right? Like they're not that different. Entertaining, hospitality. It says in the Bible to be hospitable. It doesn't say to entertain people though. So when I heard this definition and the difference, I was like, oh, mind blown. This is fascinating. Entertaining says, welcome to my home. Okay, it opens the door and it says, welcome to my home. That's not bad, but I'm putting the emphasis on my home, right? Everything probably matches. I probably cleaned for you. I want you to see my centerpiece. Look at this cool thing that I just bought that holds my fruit. All the things, it's about my home. That's entertaining, right? And that all my stuff on the table is going to impress you. Hospitality says, you're here, you see the difference? Oh, yes. That's it. It says you're here and I'm focused on you. Entertaining says welcome to my home. It's not a bad thing to welcome someone to your home, but if that's your motive is I am entertaining you with all my cool stuff and the amazing meal that I made and blah, blah, blah. I like to switch to hospitality and say you're here because when we're out on our driveway eating dinner together, I'm about you. I'm not about all my stuff because I'm eating on a plastic table with paper plates. So now all of a sudden it's not about the stuff, it's about you. See the shift? I love that. I am really, really trying to not do entertaining anymore. I grew up in a home that was very hospitable, but we entertained a lot. And that wasn't bad. I just want my shift so my brain can relax and not be like, oh, I don't have all the dishes that match. Oh my gosh, what if she's like really picky about this or that? Like, I don't want that stress. I wanna focus on you and say, you're here. Here's a great easy way to do it. My point number two here says dessert. Way smaller commitment, time commitment, cooking commitment, invite somebody over for dessert, not dinner. Don't start with dinner. If you're not an entertainer or a hospitality person and having people over for dinner freaks you out, then don't, start with dessert. Why? Because I only have to make one thing. It's gorgeous, or guess what? I don't even have to make it. I can get it out of a package and put it on a cute platter and call it a day, okay? That's easier. It's a lot less pressure. When we're getting to know people, even people in our church that we've kind of known for a long time but we've never had them over, I usually start with dessert because it's less pressure. I can focus on them instead of <laughs> stressing and making my people like, come on, people, they're gonna be here in 30 minutes, ah! and it's all freaky, okay? Don't be like that, just do dessert. Buy dessert, 
get a really cute dessert from some place that looks homemade, and you can admit that you didn't make it. And guess what? They won't care because it's more about getting to know the people. Number three, Mr. Rogers. I have a shirt that has Mr. Rogers' face on it, and at the bottom it says, won't you be my neighbor? So for those of us who are raised in the 70s and 80s, like, that's adorable, and not adorable, but cool, fun. We love Mr. Rogers. My boys think it's like borderline creepy, like, won't you be my neighbor? But I wear that shirt sometimes when we're having like our barbecue, like when we were first meeting our neighbors and we were having a big barbecue out in the front with everybody. I just wore it because I thought it was funny. My boys are like, eh. But, but for those of us in our age range and older, we know Mr. Rogers. He's not creepy. He's great. And he was a believer. I don't know if you all know that. If you saw his documentary on, it was either Netflix or Amazon Prime, about a year ago it came out. It really took a dive into his life, and it was a documentary. It wasn't a full movie about his life, and it touched on his Christianity and the fact that I think he was even a pastor for a while. But um, I invited my neighbors over to watch that. Like, it was either free or it cost me $2 to rent it. And they all came. I mean, I didn't have that many that came. There were four of us, something like that. And I just had popcorn that I didn't even make and water, and we all just watched this movie together, and it was a little bit of a like, ooh, talking points, because we kind of like talked about the fact that he was a believer, and my neighbors weren't, and so it was a great, just nobody's intimidated by Mr. Rogers. It's just an easy thing to watch together, and I thought it was a great bridge, because won't you be my neighbor, and I invited my neighbors, like, awesome. So now Tom Hanks has the movie coming out, right, in December, Mr. Rogers is was I don't know if that's the actual title Mr. Rogers or won't you be my neighbor okay so same title but it's a full movie that's going to be in the theaters I'm inviting all the female neighbors that I know to go to the movie with me very low commitment here people we're sitting in a dark room for two hours not talking very easy do this I would challenge you to do this invite one to ten neighbors to go with you to this movie because everybody loves Tom Hanks. Come on. Everybody loves Mr. Rogers, right? Okay, maybe some people don't love him. They might think he's a little creepy, but this is a cool movie. I watched the preview and it looks fantastic. And it's a very low commitment as far as like, we're not really getting to know each other that much. It's maybe a baby step in, hey, let's just go watch a movie together. Now after, we can all go straight home or we can go out to coffee. If it feels awkward and we just wanna say, bye, that was fun. Catch you at the mailbox. But we can also carpool because guess what? We all live on the same street. <laughs> this is brilliant. Why didn't I think of this earlier? So, um, okay, next one, potluck. Don't feel bad asking people to bring food to a potluck. They want to be helpful. If you've ever walked into a party and realized you are the, one of the only ones who didn't bring something, how does that feel? Bad. Right? You feel like, ugh, I didn't contribute. But if you're the one asking someone to bring, you feel bad, like, do you mind bringing a salad? They don't mind. It makes them feel helpful and it makes them feel part of the greater good. They contributed to the meal. So if you're throwing a potluck, you don't have to do all the cooking. When I think about having people over, I'm like, my brain first goes to dinner party for 12. I can't do that. Dinner party for 12. I can't do that. Don't. Don't do that. Have a potluck. Have everybody bring something. And start out with the invitation that way. Hey, I'm having a potluck. You guys want to come? Do you want to? I mean, it's an old-fashioned word that makes people think of a Baptist church in the basement. But 2019 potluck is really fun, okay? Bring basic food, and it makes it more fun. So here's my new big thing. The next one says pancakes. 
We're having a pancake party. So we've worked with high schoolers and college students for a long time. Now we're working with young professionals who are out of college and a little bit older. And we're having a pancake party to where um, it's less work for me because it's a lot of people, right? So I'm providing the pancakes, that's all I have to do, and I'm having every person bring a different topping. Way easier, right? Instead of me trying to think, oh my gosh, I have to buy all these toppings to make sure it's really, really fun and they all like it and I have to buy them all and what if they don't eat them all? This is what I'm having everybody bring. You bring butter, you bring syrup, peanut butter, almond butter, chocolate chips, applesauce, bacon, blueberries, yogurt, whipped cream. Is that a party in a pancake? Like, that would be fun, right? That's a lot going on. And everybody only has to bring one little thing and they're contributing to the greater good. And I don't feel overwhelmed about entertaining 20 millennials who might not like the toppings that I brought, right? Like I'm gonna just suggest bring whatever you want and they might bring some weird things and it would be fun. Like chocolate syrup, I don't care, bring it. That'd be fun, my boys would be in heaven. All right, the next one says brunch. Host a brunch. And have people bring things. Don't make all the food yourself. What's great about a brunch on a Saturday or a Sunday morning is you don't have to get up so early. If you're inviting people over for breakfast, you feel like, oh, I have to get up at 5 to make sure everything is perfect by 9. No. Have a brunch at 10 or 11 and make it super casual. Less food, finger food, purchased food. It's not difficult. Just have people help you. This last, second to last one says breakfast for dinner. When I was a kid, my dad made waffles for dinner every Sunday night, and every week my sister and I felt like we were cheating. We're eating breakfast for dinner, like, can you do that? This is so fun. And I was little, but it became normal in our house, and I love the fact that my dad was doing it. That was cool, because he didn't really cook. But now, when I make breakfast for dinner, I feel like I'm cheating, because it's like so easy, I don't have to think. And my boys are like, Yes, this is awesome. I can't believe we're having breakfast for dinner. And I've been doing it their whole lives and they still are surprised and love it every time. It makes it way easier. How fun would that be if you had someone over for dinner and served pancakes? Like, would they be like, whoa, oh, whoa, this is fun. And yogurt and applesauce, so it's like slightly healthy, right? But that would catch them off guard. That would be memorable and it would be more fun for you because you're not like, oh, the broccoli's gonna be steamed and then it's gonna get cold and then it. No, just make pancakes. So much easier and more fun. Progressive dinner. Raise your hand if you know what a progressive dinner is. Okay, it's okay if you don't. Not a lot of people have in some of my other talks. I would suggest if you're ever gonna do this, this is a little bit next level unless you have really casual neighborhoods who are, neighbors who are gonna agree, let's not do it fancy please, let's keep it basic. Only do three houses, don't do four or five. We're all full by the first house anyway, okay? The first one is appetizers, the second one is usually main course, the third one is usually dessert. But here's my take. The person in the middle doing the main course, that's a lot of work, right? It's way more work than the other two people. And the dessert person, nobody eats anything or we're stuffing it in because we're already so full. So my suggestion is appetizer, appetizer, dessert, or appetizer, salad, dessert. We're already eating too many appetizers. It's just natural. We do it. We come hungry. We eat so many because they're so good. Then we don't want to eat anything from other houses. So if you want to do this with casual neighbors who aren't going to go all fancy lay cordon bleu on you, then just say, hey, Store-bought, we're gonna do a store-bought progressive dinner. You're not allowed to make anything. Woo, the pressure just went way down, okay? That's fun, and if you're all on the same page, then nobody's freaking out that my neighbor, who is actually a chef, is going to outdo all of us, and now I don't even wanna play. It's not fun, right? Yeah. So don't go there if you don't want to. 
All right, so we did a 4th of July barbecue. We moved into our new house in February, and I asked my neighbor who I got to know the quickest, so do people like come out of their houses much? Or she's like, no, not really. I'm like, oh, but when the weather turns warmer, they come out. No, not really. I'm like, okay, we have an uphill battle. So I'm naturally more like my Enneagram number just wants to like, hey, let's hang out. Let's do something. Because we're all just sitting in our houses by ourselves, watching TV, eating our own meals. We might as well do all that together, right? So I'm like, let's do a barbecue. So we went around and invited everybody. And as I'm passing out invitations door to door with my neighbor, Everyone's like opening their door this much. Like, are you going to shoot me or are you trying to sell something? And like, hi, I'm a neighbor. Hi, I live down the street. You know, like trying to make them comfortable. And they're like, oh, hi. And they're still like so skeptical. Why are you knocking on my door? And one lady said, this is so nice. I can't believe you're doing a barbecue. I have lived here since 2001 and I've never met anyone. 2001. Never met anyone. We live 11 feet apart. I only know this because I wrote a blog about meeting my neighbors And so I went out into my side yard at night, mind you, with a tape measure and went over my fence and let it out until I hit my neighbor's house and measured to her fence and then went from my fence to my, we live 11 feet apart. I'm like, oh Lord, if she comes out to recycle right now, she's going to think I am so psycho. 11 feet. We live 11 feet apart, okay? That's not my, like, jam. I would much rather live here in the trees. But my point is, that's where God has us now, and I'm content. And the point is, this lady has lived 11 feet from neighbors for 18 years now and has never met anybody. So she was so excited that we were doing a barbecue, and she actually came. A month earlier, I introduced two women to each other when we were out in the street naturally, just like getting the mail or whatever. They lived two houses apart, just with one neighbor in between them. For four years, they'd never met. Never. They'd never met each other. Oh, I think I've seen her once at the mailbox or whatever. Okay? But now they chatted and snacked at the same table at our barbecue because I introduced them. I'm not taking credit for that. I'm just saying, oh, you guys know each other, right? No, we've never met. You've never met. Okay, awesome. So between telling me about his daughter's boyfriend and his church attendance, one guy got a tad sentimental at the barbecue, and he said, thanks for putting this together. I keep my garage open every weekend, and nobody ever comes over. So most people would be like, well, I didn't know you wanted me to come over, but he's trying to be like, my garage is open. I have a TV in here. I'm hanging out. You hear music. Why wouldn't you come say hi? And nobody does. This all seemed so strange to me, but I don't blame people in Southern California. I'm not a native. I'm from up here. It feels nothing like the Southern California part because I also lived at a Christian camp. I mean, come on, that's not normal, but it was easy to get to know people. And this is what happened. 30 strangers become 30 friends. So if you look at these pictures of us at our 4th of July barbecue, we are not all best friends. I can point to people in there who I haven't talked to since then, but at least they came to the barbecue, right? And we made a connection. And that person who said, I've lived here since 2001 and never met a soul, is in that picture. And now she knows somebody. She knows a lot of people, okay? And we had a lot of fun, and these people were shocked. One guy said to me, I've lived here for 18 years, and our street has never done anything together, ever. I've never met any of my neighbors. We've never done anything. So this was super fun. And guess what? This July, we did it again. Because everyone's like, we're doing the barbecue again, right? I'm like, sure, might as well. So here's my takeaway. Even extroverts get nervous, okay? Most people would describe me as an extrovert, and I am nervous. 
going door to door. I'm nervous getting up here to do a talk. I'm nervous getting up in front of the auditorium. I'm nervous making a phone call to my boss. I'm nervous for a lot of things. We get nervous too. I can fake it pretty well, but that doesn't mean I'm not nervous. So going up to the door, of course, I'm going through my Rolodex of they're going to say no, they're going to shut the door in my face. But what if they don't? What if they come? I learned how stepping outside my comfort zone to knock on doors proved beneficial. 23 homes and that many people showed up. I mean, I could have had more, but even just that many. It was fantastic. And we may not all become best buddies, but now I have way more houses that I can jump the fence in an emergency and no one's going to shoot me, right? (laughs) They all know my face and I know theirs. We have everything we need to engage our neighbors. Do you believe that? God has given you everything that you need to engage with your neighbor. It doesn't mean you have to be an extrovert seven on the Enneagram. I'm not a seven. That's the party people, for those of you who don't know the Enneagram. God has equipped us with a voice, with ears, with hands to shake, with a heart and the capacity to grow. So what's going on behind closed doors? It's anybody's guess. We don't know. We might, in this room, have hard things going on behind our doors. But the fact that somebody would care... I challenge you to ask a question. Make it be about them, not you. Listen to the answer and repeat. If you've lived in your neighborhood for more than six months and nobody has ever come over to welcome you, chances are they're not going to. That's a sad reality, but I just need to wrap my brain around that sometimes because I can sit in my house and be like, seriously, they didn't see my U-Haul? Like, really, they don't know, they don't see that we're out in the yard playing football or riding scooters? They don't come over and say hi? Like, that guy didn't even wave when I waved. Like, what? They, you start to go internal and be like, why don't they like me? What is it about my car or my house or my clothes or whatever? You can be the first one to make a move. Turn that around, and instead of doing a pity party, go pursue them. Introduce yourself. Ask a question. Listen to the answer. But I must warn you, and this is the part that we're not going to like, This is by Amy Lively in her book, How to Love Your Neighbor Without Being Weird. She says, I must warn you, if you decided to love your neighbor, you will experience a spiritual attack. Oh, goody. (laughs) Some of us are like, I'm out. Sorry, I'm not really interested in that. Now, I have to say, since I've been engaging with my neighbors, I have not felt a big spiritual attack. I've felt doubt and I've felt um, like rejection by a couple people who just weren't really into a neighborhood barbecue, and that's okay, because other people were. But she says, be warned. However, God will give you opportunities to grow closer to him in the process. The outcome depends on how you respond. Will you give up? Will you shrink in fear? Will you hide in shame? Or will you emerge from your front door stronger and braver, ready to face your little corner of the world? Isn't that awesome? I love that. Where are we in time? Do we have to be done at 10.30? Does it start at 10.30? Okay, I have five, I have five more minutes. So um, go often to the house of thy friend, for weeds choke the unused path. Have you heard this by Ralph Waldo Emerson? I love that quote. You make a friend, don't ignore them for two years. Don't just introduce yourself and go away. Go often to the house of a friend. This is not to be pressure-filled or guilt-driven. This is just a fun challenge. 
engage with them. I, on my street, have to be the one to send out the text. Hey, anybody want to go for a walk? Nobody texts me to do that. They all say yes every time. Well, my one neighbor says yes every time. The other ones aren't always around. They say yes every time, but they don't usually reach out to me first. And that's okay. I've just accepted that. And if that's where God has me right now, if that's part of my ministry, then that's what I'm going to do. Really, that's all I have to do to be in ministry right now and to be engaging people is to send out a text and say, do you want to go for a walk? That's not difficult, okay? This next slide is Hebrews 13, 1 through 2 in two different versions. If you grew up like me with the NIV, you probably are very familiar with this verse. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. But this is what I love in the message version. It says, stay on good terms with each other, held together by love. Be ready with a meal or a bed when needed. Why some have extended hospitality to angels without even knowing it. Be ready with a meal or a bed. How cool is that? Like, your neighbors probably don't need to spend the night, <laughs> right? But if they have a flood, they might. You could save them hundreds of dollars in hotels if you have a guest room. You could invite them to stay over. Would that be radical if you hardly even know them? Oh my gosh, they could stay at your house and it probably would make an awesome memory and you could make pancakes for dinner. And this one, 1 Peter 4, 8 through 9. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. That's the NIV version that I grew up with. But listen to this in the message. Most of all, love each other as if your life depended on it. Love makes up for practically anything. Be quick to give a meal to the hungry, a bed to the homeless, cheerfully. What a great example of Christ that we can be in our neighborhoods if we're just cheerful. Even on the days that I don't feel cheerful, I can still turn to my neighbor and smile. I can still wave. I don't have to ignore them or look down, all right? So three by five cards, welcome to the neighborhood cards. I want you to raise your hand if you have someone in the past six months who has just moved into your neighborhood. Do you have anybody in the past six months who has just moved into your neighborhood? I have a card that says congratulations on your new home. If you're willing and promise to give this to them, not just like this, like write something in it. Hey, welcome to the neighborhood. Let me know if you need anything. That's really easy, right? My name, my phone number. You could use this as your three by five card just to tell them where you are and who, what you do. I only have four left. If you promise you're going to and maybe even write me and tell me how it went and that you gave it to them. Oh, gosh, do I have enough? One, two, three. Is that it? You have one? Oh, and you do too. Oh, oh gosh, you guys can fight over it later. These I found on Amazon because you can find them at Target and Walmart and uh, Hallmark, but they're more expensive. I bought them in a box from Amazon, and it's literally called Welcome to the Neighborhood Cards or Welcome to Your New Home. You can buy these in bulk. I'm not saying you're going to have that many new neighbors, but it's such an easy thing to do and a fun way to make people feel welcome. And you don't even have to bring a goodie. You can just have the card. And it would be such a welcoming thing for people to receive that from you. Um, this is my website, if anybody is interested in seeing it. If you did or didn't sign up for the blog on that paper that went around, 
Um, it tells a little bit about my family and about my favorite ministries, my favorite magazines, my favorite books. I update it regularly, mostly. And so I would love to connect with you on social media. And I would love to hear if you implement any of these things. Just tell me, like, I respond to every single comment on my blog, every single comment on Facebook, on Instagram. I'm not famous or well-known in any way, shape, or form. So I'm actually a real person. I don't have a secretary. I do all my own clicking. All my comments are mine. Okay? So I would love to engage with you. Tell me what you did, what worked, what didn't work. I can celebrate with you, be sad with you, whatever. Thank you so much for coming. Let me pray really quick before we leave. And guess what? In about an hour, we get to eat again. (laughs) That's exciting. Lord, thank you for this time. Thank you so much for the women that came, that took time out of their busy uh, time this weekend of relaxing to sit in a chair and listen to another talk. I appreciate them, and Lord, we appreciate you and the way that you love us and take care of us. And thank you for our neighbors. Thank you for the places where you have put us very specifically in that neighborhood in 2019 for a specific reason. I pray that if we don't know what that is, that you will reveal that to us. And if it just starts with something super basic and small as saying, hi, my name is. I pray that you will give us the courage to do that and the boldness to love others the way you love us. Thank you, Lord, for the ways that you've blessed us. I pray that you'll help us to remember to be grateful people. We love you, and we pray all this in your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Have a great rest of your day.